0: Yo, what is up, Buffalo Fanatics? Z-Bot here with you, live on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel on a Monday night, a victory Monday night at that, our second in a row, and it's so good to have you in. As you can tell, we are not in the Smoke Break Studios tonight. From Stanford, Connecticut. Instead, we are live from the old stopping grounds. You better believe it. The parents' basement. Nothing better than being a 26-year-old doing a podcast out of their parents' basement. This is what dreams are made of, baby. Back in Rochester tonight, I got a work thingy I got to do tomorrow morning real early. It's Papa Bell's birthday on Wednesday. So I am in Rochester tonight in the basement, so that's why there's no bells and whistles, that's why the standard background you're accustomed to by now is not here, but yours truly is here, that's what matters the most, apologize in advance for what is obviously not as good quality audio as it's typically supposed to be, or what it typically is uh, on the usual smoke break. Last minute, I didn't bring my gear, that's on me, but don't worry, this is just a temporary thing for tonight. Only we'll be back to your regular scheduled smoke break starting next week. And that's going to be one of the bigger shows of the year because next week is going to be one of the biggest games of the year. We prefaced this last week coming off of the W over the Las Vegas Raiders, where I had mentioned to you that no one's going to care that the Buffalo bills. Just rolled the Las Vegas Raiders. I said, we very likely will roll the Washington commanders based on the way things are looking. That is exactly what happened. And I said, no one's going to care about that because all anybody is going to care is what the Buffalo bills do against the Miami dolphins. Little did we know that the stage would set up for these bills against the Miami dolphins to feature a matchup in which the bills defense might look like the best in the league while the Miami dolphins offense, not only looks like maybe the best in the league, but so far early on here, They're looking like maybe one of the best offenses in the history of the game. And it makes me sick to my stomach to say, but it's not hyperbolic. These Miami Dolphins just put up 70 points yesterday afternoon. I cannot believe I am saying that. And every time I look at the score, it feels like I am in an alternate reality. It feels like I'm looking at a Madden score But that's what that game felt like. It felt like a Madden game with the difficulty set to not even rookie. I don't even know if there's a a difficulty that would uh, represent what yesterday was. That was like arcade mode with the opposing team having their controller off. And you just command the offense and no one plays on the defensive side. Whatever. We'll get into all of it tonight. We will be talking about that game coming up in depth. We'll also talk about what we saw from Miami yesterday and what we can expect to see next week, because I know they—I know they put up seventy points yesterday. I know they look unbelievable right now. It's all very true, but they have yet to play the Buffalo Bills' defense, and the Buffalo Bills' defense right uh, now—you can really start to make your argument that this is the best defense in the NFL through the first three weeks. The argument, of course, going into yesterday was that the Dallas Cowboys were far and away the best defense in the league. And Josh Dobbs and the Arizona Cardinals took them to work yesterday. So after what we saw on display from the Bills yesterday, we'll rule out the Cowboys from that for now, folks. Where's the argument that the Buffalo Bills, through the first three weeks, are not the best defense in the entire NFL? They'll have their toughest, they'll, their toughest task by far this coming week, as will the Miami Dolphins offense. But we'll start tonight talking about what we saw yesterday. Because as I said last week, we can't get into the Dolphins game until the Commanders game has concluded. I said we can't overlook these Commanders. Eric Biannimi as the OC, good young talent. I do like the personnel that Washington has compared to years past. They got off to a hot start with Sam Howell through the first two weeks, got a couple of victories under their belt. And for a franchise that, let's face it, has been one of the most poorly run in the in the entirety of all of sports over the last two decades, it's a feel-good moment through the first two weeks for the Washington Commanders. They finally get rid of Dan Snyder as their owner. And that fan base for the first time in what feels like forever, probably since the 90s when the Bills were battling them in the in the Super Bowl. Uh, this is probably the first time they've had anything to smile about. Unfortunately for them, that was short-lived because yesterday against these Buffalo Bills, the Washington Commanders fan base did not have a single thing. To smile about. These Buffalo Bills took them to the woodshed uh, in an almost embarrassing way. If you're a Washington Commanders fan, you have to feel some sort of embarrassment for your offense yesterday and their performance against this Buffalo Bills defense. And God bless Sam Howell. Uh, He stayed in there the entirety of the game and took his lickings. And I don't know how he made it out of that game Uh, because he was sacked 10 times. He was intercepted Four times. Sam Howell yesterday, when it comes to the quarterback position, it is very hard to have a game that bad. That It truly was an all-time bad game, and I don't even know if it would have mattered if he would have come out and channeled his best possible performance personally. It just didn't matter. The Buffalo Bills defense dictated what Sam Howell put out on the field. He did not have an opportunity to do anything it was truly a masterclass when it came to what these Buffalo bills were able to accomplish on the defensive side of the ball yesterday. And I had mentioned last week that as at this current moment, I have felt that over the last couple of years or so that this Buffalo bills defense, as far as consistency is concerned, that you might argue that the consistency has been there a bit more frequently than the consistency of the offense. And I, I saw people might have questioned that a little bit. What I was talking about was that when it comes to being able to rely on a similar type of performance week in and week out, I have felt that this defense has continuously showed up every single week during the Sean McDermott era. I don't think they've showed up like this to this capacity in this succession where you start off Really good, in my opinion, against the New York Jets. You follow that up against the Las Vegas Raiders, and it's twice as good as it was the game before, which was tough to do to begin with because that game in itself was great. And then I think you follow up the Las Vegas Raiders game with this game yesterday against the Washington Commanders, and it was twice as good as the game against the Las Vegas Raiders. Right now, just when you think that this defense cannot play any better, they somehow outperform what they did the week before. And yesterday, you'd be hard-pressed to find anything that compared to what the Bills' defense did anywhere else in the league. It, it was truly uh, it was an all-time performance yesterday. And it seemed like everybody on this defensive unit had a play. They got involved. And when you're turning the ball over five times, when you're sacking the quarterback to the point where it feels like every snap is going to be a sack, Nine snap, uh, nine sacks officially. I thought it was ten. It felt like it was a hundred. It felt like Sam Howell got sacked on nearly every every single snap. This defense, and I saw this stat today, this this is what I'm talking about when you're when you're talking about a defense that is pure, purely dominant to the point where I don't even know if we've unleashed entirely what they're capable of. The Bills are barely blitzing. They're barely sending pressure at the quarterback, yet they have the second highest pressure rate in the entire league. I think right now the Bills are either 30th or 31st when it comes to the amount of pressuring that they actually draw up and send towards the quarterback. Yet they are number two overall in the NFL at getting those pressures. So what does that mean? Well, they're sending a base personnel to go after the quarterback, and they're getting through, and they're making it happen. Once again, mind you, let this be known. This is being done without Von Miller on the field. This is being done without Von Miller on the field. This is being done with guys that people had plenty of questions about. A.J. Epinesa, who yesterday definitely had his best game as a Buffalo Bill. He's shining. Ed Oliver through the first three weeks. He's all over the place. Micah Hyde back. Interception yesterday, Right. Jordan Poyer back and healthy. Terrell Bernard, folks, is he not one of the best linebackers in the entire NFL through the first three weeks? And the best linebacker in the NFL through the first three weeks, and in my opinion, over recent memory here, is Matt Milano. This defense is on fire, and it could not be coming at a better time because the bulk of their schedule is right around the corner, and they will be facing the the hottest offense in the NFL by a wide margin in the Miami dolphins this coming week, it could not be coming at a better time, but this Buffalo Bill, this Buffalo Bill's defense yesterday showed you that this team once again, is capable of winning through their stout defense and adequate complementary football reciprocated by the offensive side of the, uh, of the equation. When Josh Allen is once again, just taking the game as it comes and not doing what we saw on Monday night. I think my overall takeaway through the first three weeks here is is really this. If the Bills offense can go out and just execute the game plan and show flashes of what we saw yesterday and last week, and with that, what we saw was uh, adequate run game, distribution of the ball from Josh Allen all over the field, mitigating the amount of crazy plays that Josh Allen makes. And when I say mitigating the amount, I mean, just not doing what you did against the Jets. We saw against the Raiders and against the, the commanders that, you know, there were a few plays where Josh is still going to Josh and that's fine. That's fine. Because in both games, we saw greatness from Josh Allen, the classic Josh Allen that we're accustomed to seeing. But through these last two games, only one turnover for Josh Allen. And I understand yesterday's pick was not a great throw. It was it, frankly, wasn't. it was a really bad throw, but in a game like that, where it was third down and, what, 10-plus. The interception occurred uh, on the commander's 10-yard line. That was the equivalent of a punt. Based on what they had drawn up on that play, I'm not sure they were getting the first down anyways. You still don't want to see it. One of the interceptions against the, the, the New York Jets was very similar. That was a punt, but it was a totally different game. This game was in hand. What felt like the entirety of the game, the New York Jets game, as we know, Certainly wasn't, but I had said to you last week that we have got to find a way to find a median because the week one performance was about as bad as it gets. The week two performance was about as good as it gets, and I had said it's never going to be exactly that. It's never going to be the highest of highs. It's never going to be the lowest of lows, and we can't expect it to be either one. Those who hate the Buffalo Bills and are preying on their downfall, they want to believe that week one – is what should be the Buffalo Bills' overall definition, right? They want to be able to say, well, week one was Josh Allen playing terrible, this offense being inept. That's what we can expect from the Bills going forward, whereas we Bills fans watch the Raiders game, and we see nothing but essentially perfection for 60 minutes on both sides of the ball, including Josh Allen. And Bills fans want to say that that is the status quo. That's the standard. And of course that is what we're going to see each and every week. But if you're level headed, you're able to know that week one and week two to some degree, we're both outliers. You can't expect Josh Allen to have an 80% completion percentage and just utterly pick apart a defense for the entirety of the game without having any mistakes. You can't expect the, uh, run game to damn near clip 200 yards without Josh Allen getting involved within that run game. I don't think you can expect to score near 40 points every game. Then again, however, we're at two weeks in a row here where you just almost score 40 points, and I wouldn't put it past these bills to put up nearly 40 against the Miami Dolphins defense next week, which I find to be incredibly overrated. People want to call the Miami Dolphins defense one of the best in the league. I-, I just don't see it. I don't know where the argument is for that. I think these Buffalo Bills have a great opportunity next week against this Miami Dolphins defense to do similar things to what they've done through the first three weeks here. If anything, the Washington Commanders defense is pretty damn good. That front line is about as good as it gets. An extraordinary front line for the Washington Commanders. These Buffalo Bills took them to the woodshed yesterday and essentially did anything they wanted, mainly towards the end of the game. It was tough to get into the end zone for these Bills in the first half, but it also just felt like the way that they were playing on defense, it wasn't going to matter as long as they were going to be able to sustain the lead and not shoot themselves in the foot. Because sometimes with these Buffalo bills, that's all it really is. That's exactly what it was in week one. The first half of this game to some capacity felt similar to the first half in the New York jets game, where you felt like the bills were by far the better team. It felt like they were outplaying them. They just didn't, you just don't want to see him give the game away in the jets game. They gave it away in this game yesterday. They just stuck to the script, did what was necessary of them to continue holding the league throughout the game. And then we saw towards the end, the commanders had just pretty much, they'd waved the white flag. They had nothing the whole game. They broke down. The Bills took full advantage and wound up putting up an astronomical amount of points, which resulted in a 34-point victory. It's weird. Yesterday felt like a 34-point victory, but if you go back and watch, and if you kind of remember what it felt like through the first half, it's weird because, yes, it did feel like a 34-point victory. But a lot of the time you were wondering, how the hell are they not up more? Because they had been playing so well, it just seemed like they were struggling to get into the end zone. But I think that people discount what the Washington defense truly is. I think it's a pretty decent defense. I think it's better than the one that we saw from the Las Vegas Raiders, that's for sure. Especially because you could watch last night when the Raiders took on the Pittsburgh Steelers, who through the first two weeks of the season were horrendous. They had two, uh, I think they had two offensive touchdowns through the first two weeks in their entirety. Yesterday, they finally got it clicking against a, a defense with the Las Vegas Raiders that has just not seemed to be able to find their footing. Yesterday, I think it's no argument, Washington's defense definitely better than Las Vegas's. And they're also a defense that, you know, going up to the front line, they can make a quarterback's day tough if you allow them to. Thought the Bills offense yesterday came back down to that median that we might expect to see. And let me tell you right now, that's not a bad thing. The median for this team, if, if that's what yesterday was, you're going to sign up for that. Josh Allen's still very efficient through the air. No, it wasn't 31 to 37, but still 20 to 32, over 200 yards, had the touchdown that was probably... See, that's the touchdown you want to see right there because that shows you Josh still has the ability. And I know there's people out there who still think he doesn't because a week one, it's still stuck in their mind, but Josh Allen has the ability to thread the ball down the field and put the ball on your hands on a 40 yard route for a touchdown, just because he was hucking the ball all the way down the field and turning it over at a, at a heavy clip against the jets doesn't mean he still can't thread the needle down the field. That touchdown to Gabe Davis was absolutely gorgeous. Um, I thought yesterday from Josh Allen, it was a bit of a, you know, a bit of a tick down from what we saw the week before. But like I said, you're not going to expect that type of performance every single week. And I thought what we got out of Josh yesterday was more than serviceable. He didn't hinder the team, in my opinion, at all. I thought he was more than fine through the air. And what we got out of Josh yesterday was a terrifically efficient run game. I had spoke about this last week where I was really happy with the Bills' ability to get near 200 yards on the ground with Josh Allen only having seven of those yards. Yesterday, he has 46 yards, and when you're talking about Josh Allen at that type of yardage, you're probably thinking to yourself, well, they probably ran him seven or eight times. This yesterday was what I thought to be the most perfect representation of what you would want out of Josh Allen in the run game. Three carries. Forty six yards, one of which went for the touchdown of the day as far as uh visuals is concerned. Well, I think you could argue the Gabe Davis touchdown. I'd probably go with that. But what I'm what I'm getting at is does it get better than Josh Allen finger rolling the football as he crosses the end zone like vintage Allen Iverson? That was the shot of the day. If you haven't seen the photo, it's on the thumbnail here that I used for the show. It's like the photo of the year. That that is I would need that blown up on a on a Canvas the size of my wall and put on the wall. It's absolutely gorgeous. And that was a perfect representation of Josh Allen being able to take what was given to him. That's the exact type of run you wanted to see against the New York Jets two weeks ago on third and eight. But instead, he hucked the ball deep for an interception that was completely unnecessary. Yesterday, I thought three carries, 15 yards on average, but three carries were Josh. There was no There was nothing else but a run available. And not only was the run available, but it was like you could have driven a Mack truck through the hole, opened up for him. And he did it all three times. All three runs were phenomenal. That's what you want to see. I'll sign up for Josh running the ball three times a game, every game. I'm fine with that. What we wanted to eliminate was the seven to 10 carries a game for Josh where, yeah, the yardage might be up there, but at what cost? Ten carries of him getting banged up? I'll sign up for three all day. One, The, the, the longest rush of the day, the one where he went for 23 yards, he should have slid because he had the ability to. That, that would be my only complaint when it came to Josh in the run department yesterday because it's a, it's a carry uh, like that where you see, man, no one else can run the ball like this guy in the league. But he still needs to have the ability to get down on the ground, take the positive yardage, and also preserve his health. You know, it's still Josh. He takes the hit. He bounces right up like he typically does. I'm not going to complain, but obviously on a run like that, that's the one thing you'd you'd take away from it as far as a critique would be concerned. But you're going to sign up for three carries, 46 yards out of Josh Allen every single week. But – What we're talking about right now, as far as the run game is concerned, is what we have wanted to see since this draft pick was made uh, a season ago. We had talked all offseason about how this is James Cook's time to shine. Uh, you, You take him with a high second overall pick. You don't utilize him last year nearly enough to justify the position in which you took him in the draft when he did get his opportunities, he showed flashes, but there simply was not nearly enough opportunity given to him to truly show his ability to be an every down back on these Buffalo bills. And we knew coming into this year with the departure of Devin Singletary, Zach Moss is no longer on this team. Right. And with two older running backs behind James cook and Latavius Murray, who scores yet another touchdown, love to see it, and Damian Harris, we knew this was going to be James Cook's year. And what do you know? Back-to-back games that were everything you could want from a running back one, and frankly, everything we haven't seen from a running back one for these Buffalo Bills since the departure of LaShawn McCoy. These Bills have struggled to find a running back, to give them consistent yardage on the ground, to give them the ability to rely on a guy to pick up yards on the ground outside of Josh Allen. We now have back-to-back weeks where James Cook is at 100 or above or right near it. Yesterday, James Cook could have easily have had 100 yards if they wanted to give it to him. They stopped handing him the ball off at the end of the game. James Cook finishes with 15 carries, 98 yards. But even on 15 carries, you're finishing with six yards a carry. Uh, This is what we're – 15 carries is what you want to see out of James Cook. Every week. And now we have back-to-back weeks where he goes from 17 carries to 15 carries respectively. What does that tell you? Their game plan each week is going to incorporate James Carey getting not only the bulk of the carries, but it is going to be getting a significant amount of snaps dedicated towards him throughout the week. And I absolutely love it. And then once again, you have two receptions for James Cook on three targets. Less than last week where he had four receptions. But still, the point remains, every single week, James Cook should be getting involved in the receiving department in some capacity. I would have liked to have seen even more yesterday, but I think what replaced the two additional receptions that James Cook had a week ago, what I think replaced that this week was Deontay Hardy, who didn't get involved last week. He had two receptions for 15 yards uh, this past week. So maybe that evens out a little bit. Deontay Hardy, a speedster who you get the ball to, on shallow routes over the middle. Maybe those offset would like to see James Cook a bit more involved in the past game, similar to what it was last week. But look, I'm not going to complain. Once again, yet another game for James Cook back-to-back with over 100 yards of all-purpose yardage for the second-year player. And what we've seen so far early on here from James Cook is everything we would have signed up for in the offseason. I've absolutely loved, not only his ability to take advantage of the opportunity given to him, but what I absolutely love the most is that they are, you know, Ken Dorsey is getting him involved. They're giving him the opportunity. 15 carries is no joke. 17 carries a week ago. It's exactly what we wanted to see. It's exactly what we thought he could be if given the opportunity. And he's done exactly that. So James Cook, yet again, a phenomenal day on the ground. And then also, you know, you're you're giving your guys that you have behind him their opportunities to shine when they're warranted. Damian Harris was brought in for short yardage situations. They've given him that opportunity uh, throughout the last couple of weeks here. You saw an opportunity yesterday where I thought it was third. I think it was third and two Damian Harris handoff right up the middle. The guy's a battering ram, and that's what they used him for a bit yesterday. Him and Latavius Murray have almost had identical stat lines, identical carries yesterday. They literally had identical stat lines uh, except for, uh, the touchdown that Latavius Murray had, but five carries for each 15 carries for each and their longest rush yard for each of them uh, were seven yards apiece. So you're getting about 10 carries to James cooks, whatever double that would be. It seems like over the last two weeks, that's been about uh, the distribution of carries within that running back room. But Latavius Murray back-to-back weeks with a touchdown, a guy that, I think many people who focused on James Cook and Damian Harris with those two, not only, you know, James Cook rising to prominence, but Damian Harris being the more, I think, sizable signing in the off season. At least if you're like me, Latavius Murray was a bit overlooked. That's back-to-back weeks with a touchdown for the guy. And like I said last week, he's now scored a touchdown for six different teams. This is a guy who is well beyond veteran status at this point, And he's scoring, he's scoring meaningful touchdowns for the Buffalo Bills in 2023. So you're not going to find me complaining at all about what we've seen from the other two backing up James Cook. It's actually exactly what I want. I don't mind this at all. The stats aren't anything spectacular, but they shouldn't be. James Cook should be the one having the eye-popping stats. And through the last two weeks, we've had that. And then once again here, I know Josh Allen has a good majority of this this week. But like I said, I'm fine with it when it comes on three carries. It's, it wasn't on 10 designed runs for Josh Allen where he's getting banged up all day and they had to resort to Josh Allen doing that in order to win the football game. So I'm fine with the fact that he contributes 46 uh, yards to the overall total for this team on the ground. But once again, we're now looking at back to back weeks where the Buffalo bills are nearing 200 yards on the ground. This is something that I want to get used to. I need to see it more frequently, maybe against, some of the better defenses in the league as we continue to go forward here. But through two weeks here, how, how can you not expect to see more of what we've seen? They've been running the ball exceptionally well. And this offensive line, for the most part, has stepped up to the call. And I understand this is not the best offensive line in the league. But over the last couple of weeks here, I really think the Buffalo Bills offensive line has proven a lot of their doubters wrong to some degree. And like I said, it's not going to be an offensive line that I think you, you fear going into a week if you're an opposing team. Uh, but let's talk about the fact that yesterday this Buffalo Bills offensive line does not, res- does not allow a single sack. With Chase Young on the opposing side of the field, last week with Max Crosby on the opposing side of the field, you saw him last night. He was wreaking havoc. On Kenny Pickett and the Pittsburgh Steelers, or Kenny Pick in the Pittsburgh Steelers last night. Max Crosby was on a milk carton a week ago against this Buffalo Bills offensive line. Yesterday, zero sacks for the Washington Commanders. And the Buffalo Bills were averaging eight yards a carry, or excuse me, five yards a carry overall on the ground, but their top running back was averaging uh, nearly seven yards a carry in James Cook. So I understand. The offensive line going into the season was a big concern compared to maybe other areas uh, within this Buffalo Bills team. Are you overly concerned right now, three weeks into the year, about this Buffalo Bills offensive line? I am not. I'm not. Osiris Torrance, Deion Dawkins, Spencer Brown, they're answering the call so far. I'm not going to sit here and say I need to see... X, Y, and Z in order for me to believe it, I'm just going to keep taking what I get each week. Do I, do I expect a game where they have their faults? I definitely do. But through the first three weeks here, it's looked better than even I would have dreamt of through the first three weeks. I had felt that this was going to be a bit of an Achilles heel. And I think through the first three weeks, it has not been, it has not hindered this team. And that's all you can ask for when you have Josh Allen, who can extend plays when you have Stefan Diggs, a top wide receiver in this league. And now when you have James cook, who's looking like he's exactly who they drafted him to be, you know, maybe your offensive line does not need to be all pro all the way up and down. Maybe it needs to be exactly what it's been throughout the first three weeks here. And I understand those in the comments, right? You're definitely concerned about the offensive line. I get that. And I think you're concerned about that because you're waiting for, you know, you're kind of waiting for, Uh, It to show maybe it's true colors, show what you're expecting. I totally get that. And maybe that comes at some point, the defenses they faced so far, uh, you know, last week being the outlier, in my opinion, in the Las Vegas Raiders, who I thought just, you know, they could not stack up. But yesterday, I think this Washington commanders defensive line, it, it, it is pretty damn good. And this offensive line really held serve. So through the first three weeks, you're not going to find me complaining at all about what we've seen out of the Buffalo Bills and their offensive line so far. Um, and I think that that is has directly contributed to James Cook really coming out here, and you, all you can hope for uh, is that it continues. Let's go to the uh, wide receivers where, once again, I, I just loved the distribution of the football. Let's count it out again like we did last week. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And this is, once again, two weeks in a row now. Two weeks in a row now where Josh Allen has found nine different people to receive and catch a ball from him in the football game. The one complaint I will have in this one is that the only reception that Gabe Davis had the whole game was the touchdown only four targets in this one last week. I think he had what seven or eight caught six of them. And he led the team last week against the Raiders in receiving yards. You're going to want more targets, for Gabe Davis, and I understand he had the best target of the game last, uh, or uh, or yesterday, rather, but this was a game where that bulk of targets going to different people was eaten up by Stefan Diggs, and I said to you last week that the Stefan Diggs show is one of my favorite shows. I love tuning into it. It's one of my faves, but who's going to step up when maybe that show isn't at its peak rating. It was at its peak rating against the Jets. It was phenomenal again yesterday. An eight reception, 111-yard day for Stefan Diggs. I thought he was all over the field. And what I've loved about Stephon Diggs early on so far is a lot of his receptions have been in the middle of the field and underneath. A lot of them haven't had to be these crazy superstar-type type plays, and I like to see that because they're getting him involved in ways where it makes sense. And they're getting him involved in ways where Josh Allen is being able to take advantage of what the defense is given to him, the overall theme of what we've seen over the last two weeks. Um, so he takes up the majority of the targets yesterday, Stefan Diggs does, but he has a terrific game. Uh, the one complaint I'll have is that I want to see more of Gabe Davis getting involved in the offense, but can't complain when Stephon Diggs has the type of day that he does uh, yesterday one other thing, too, is that there was seemingly no involvement from the tight ends yesterday at all. There was a bit more last – or significantly more last week, it felt like. Uh, only four targets total between Dolan Kincaid uh, and Dawson Knox this past week or this past game. You have to wonder if the injury to Dawson Knox played a role in that. I know he had a banged-up back all week. It was questionable whether or not he was even going to go. Uh, you know, Dalton Kincaid just was not involved with it yesterday. Just was not involved in, in the offense. Um, but once again, this, this is back to the theme I had talked about last week where I had mentioned that, you know, not every week is going to be your favorite player or these top players, best game. It's just the way it is. It's not going to be the best performance each week from each guy. And um, to me, if you're looking at the numbers and you see Dalton Kincaid really wasn't a factor and, Dawson Knox really wasn't a factor, and this team's still putting up 37, winning by 34. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm just going to have a tough time complaining. Um, I just thought this offense overall yesterday was exactly what they needed to be in order to get out of there with the type of victory that they did. I don't think it was overwhelmingly, uh, you know, highlight filled or star striking. But there was also plays without the, throughout the game that really made your jaw drop. Uh, in particular, of course, that Gabe Davis touchdown, Josh Allen's ability to run on the, um, you know, within the, within the run game yesterday, get in the end zone with, with that phenomenal finger roll type run. Uh, and then probably the most unbelievable play of the day offensively was Josh Allen rolling to the right it just looked like maybe he'd find his way on the sideline at some point and he just rips it down the field. And you're thinking that ball is going 10 feet in the stands if you're watching on TV. And it somehow ends up in Stefan Diggs's hands uh, for that 30-yard catch. That was insane. I-, I don't even know. That's, to me, one of those throws where you're just like, oh, my – like where you're holding your breath. When Josh Allen's rolling to the right and you can tell he's gonna make the throw, it's just one of those moments where you're like, you're like this. And to me, it looked like it was just going out of bounds. Kind of reminded me a little bit of that touchdown of to Dustin Knox in the playoffs against the Patriots, where it just looks like he's throwing it out of bounds. Oh my god, he caught it! I don't know how the hell. That ball on up to Stephon Diggs. I also don't know how the hell it wound up being as ac- accurate and on point as it was. That ball was on a dime. On the numbers from Josh Allen to Stephon Diggs. Don't ask me. Uh, but to me, that was probably the throw of the game. Uh, and then obviously right behind that, the toss to to Gabe Davis for the, for the touchdown. Uh, the only touchdown of the day through the air for Josh Allen. So 37 points uh, for these Buffalo Bills. 31 coming from... The offensive contributions, we all know that the other touchdown, or maybe, excuse me, 30 rather, we all know the other touchdown came from the defense, and let's flip over to the defense right now. And uh, I know I talked about them a bit at the top of the show as far as how great they've been, but I I don't think you can really preface enough how unbelievable this defense has truly been. If we get down to what we can just look at based on the overall, you know, uh, the, the, the main takeaways from yesterday, uh, and by that, I mean like the highlights, the numbers you look at that I think really define what these Buffalo Bills that did yesterday. Four interceptions, nine sacks, one fumble, right? One fumble recovery, a touchdown from A.J. Epinesa, and three points a lot. I mean, if you think about what these Bills have done defensively, not only in the turnover department, in the sack department, but what they've done on the scoreboard, which ultimately matters the most. You don't allow a single touchdown yesterday. They haven't allowed a single touchdown overall since the first drive of the Raiders game where they walked right down the field and you might have thought we were going to be in for a long day. Uh, and turns out they would go on to do absolutely nothing the rest of the way. These bills have allowed six total points since then. It has been seven quarters since If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. that these Buffalo bills have allowed. And within that time frame, they've allowed two field goals, the commander's field goal coming on their last drive of the game in a meaningless situation. They've completely shut down their last two opponents. And not only have they shut them down, but they've been doing it in a way that is like the entertainment level on top of it is just absurd. They're like must see TV right now on defense. The A.J. Epinesa interception yesterday, I know I said, what was it, last week where I had said that Matt Milano's interception on Jimmy Garoppolo was going to make my top 10 highlight reel uh, for the entire season for the Bills. It, it's, kind of the, it's kind of like the overarching theme for this defense in general. Just when you thought that wasn't going to get topped, how do you not throw A.J. Epinesis in there? He's running up on Sam Howell. Oh, Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, Baker Baker, turnover maker. God, was that even? Yeah, that was Baker. I'm rooting for Baker this year. I've not been a big Baker fan at all, but I kind of feel for him now. I'm rooting for him a bit. Anyway, picked off. But so the overarching theme for this defense so far is just when you think that they can't outdo what they just did, they're seemingly doing it. And this past game, I had thought going into it, no way you're going to be able to top what Matt Milano just did. To Josh Jacobs on that interception. Yet here we go. AJ Eponessa within an arm's length of Sam Howell, jumps up to deflect the ball, picks the ball off in mid-air, and takes it to the house. It was just, and it was in a moment too, where of course the game completely fell in hand. You're just like, man, these guys are. They don't have, they don't have any quit in them. They're just going to bury you every chance they get, utter domination. And that interception to me is right up there with what we saw from Matt Milano the week prior and potentially being in my uh, in my top 10 highlights of the entire season come the end of the year. That was off the charts. Four overall interceptions to begin with, and we have to talk about the fact that uh, Terrell Bernard gets involved uh, with an interception yet again. We had talked going into the season about what the impact might be of not having Tremaine Edmonds. And last week the the question was posed as to what I had thought about Terrell Bernard. And my answer was, was simple. And it was, I haven't thought about Tremaine Edmonds once since you asked me that since right now, when you asked me that question. So that's my answer. What are my thoughts on Terrell Bernard? Well, there you go. Because you know, damn well, if this, if this linebacker unit was was underperforming, you'd hop on Twitter. It wouldn't take you very long to realize Tremaine Edmonds wasn't on the team anymore because it would be all anybody would be talking about. Oh, we should have kept Tremaine Edmonds. We should have paid Tremaine Edmonds. We shouldn't have let him go. You haven't seen a lick of that. In fact, you've completely forgotten about Tremaine, Tremaine Edmonds, haven't you? And like I mentioned, I'm not, I'm not trying to dog on the guy because I kind of feel bad for him. You know, Chicago overpays for him. Obviously, if I'm him, I'm probably doing the same. I'm leaving and taking the money, especially at the defensive side of things. You only have so long to make money in your peak. He goes and does that. This Chicago Bears defense is one of the worst in the league. They can't stop a nosebleed. They got trucked yesterday by the Kansas City Chiefs, and they've gotten trucked every week, and I can't imagine they don't stop getting trucked the rest of the year. That might be the worst team in the entire league by a wide margin, the Chicago Bears. They are terrible. And Tremaine Edmonds is in the middle of all of that going on on the defensive side of things right now. So it's not like we got rid of Tremaine Edmonds and he's absolutely wreaking havoc on another team. Not only did we get rid of him and it's just not working out at all. And it's not, I can't sit here and act like it's a major disservice to him because I can't act like he's been a major disservice to the Bears because the Bears are a disservice to themselves. They are just horrendous at every level, at every facet. I'm pretty sure uh, Justin Fields does not have a single touchdown on the entire year. They are just egregiously bad. They are so bad. But the overall point here is that Tremaine Edmonds is gone. Okay, fine. You would know if he was no longer on this team real quick from this fan base if it was recognizable. And not only has it not been recognizable, It's been to the point where you're, you're, you're like stoked about the situation. The fact that he's not on the team and Terrell Bernard is because it does not get better than what we've seen from Terrell Bernard and Matt Milano through the beginning of the year here. They have four interceptions between the two of them. Usually your linebackers aren't the ones picking the balls off on a consistent basis. These guys have four picks collectively through three games. Terrell Bernard is going to be the defensive player of the week guaranteed or your money back. It's an all time lock. He was the most dominant player on the field yesterday for this bills D. And that's saying something because these, this team's got some studs. I mean, Micah high gets a pick yesterday, right? There's guys all over the place yesterday. AJ Epinesa takes one back to the house. Tredavious white baby back at it. And I understand People have been waiting to see Tredavious White get. Do you know what? how great of a play, an athletic play, that that Trey White pick was? Well, I mean, Micah Hyde's pick, that's an example of they just, I mean, they threw that guy the ball. He still took advantage of it. You got to love it. Shout out Micah Hyde, no doubt about it. But Trey White jumps from behind the receiver and catches the ball in front of him, or else it would have been a touchdown an absolutely terrific play on the ball from Tredavious White. So you have four different guys picking the ball off yesterday, two in which are guys you want to see consistently doing so in Micah Hyde and Tredavious White. And then two guys where you're just like, okay, sign me up for that in Terrell Bernard and AJ Epinesa, Uh, AJ Epinesa in particular, of course. But what shocks me the most is we now have four collective interceptions from our linebackers through three games and, I don't know how you could possibly ask for anything more than that. It has been absurdly phenomenal. Because in my opinion, Matt Milano is one of the best defensive players in the entire league. And so far through the early the early going here, Terrell Bernard is looking like one of them too. So I know things are going to get significantly tougher and it's going to start this week because you think Terrell Bernard has been playing real well as of right now. His his first insanely true test comes this coming week because nobody loves to throw the ball over the middle more than Tua Tungabailoa and who can blame him with the speed that they have on that offense. But if you look at Tua Tungabailoa's throw chart where he looks to target throughout the duration of the game, he loves throwing the ball over the middle. So we're looking at you this week, Terrell Bernard. We're looking at you this week, Micah Hyde, going to be a, or excuse me, um, uh, Matt Milano, going to be a massive, massive game uh, for those two coming up this week. And look, if they don't have their best overall game, don't all of a sudden get on them. They've been phenomenal through their early going here, and this is going to be an insanely tall task. I don't, I don't expect them to shut down that Miami offense. I don't expect anybody to shut down that Miami that Miami offense the whole year. Uh, they, they're here, folks. The Miami Dolphins are here, and they are an incredible offensive unit that are humming at an all-time clip right now. The Buffalo Bills have to find a way to mitigate their damage in the game this coming week in order to get the job done. I think Terrell Bernard and Matt Milano are going to be two major assets when it comes to being able to do that this coming week. But overall the Bills are a much better team than the Washington Commanders and they showed it yesterday. And I think these Vegas lines that we've seen over the last 2 weeks have been a bit they've been a bit cautious because of what we saw from the Bills in week 1. I mean if you noticed yesterday the the Kansas City Chiefs were 12 and a half point favorites over the Chicago Bears rightfully so. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys were a similar line. I cannot believe they lost that game. One of the worst upsets in recent memory in the entirety of the NFL, but the bills were only about six point favorites yesterday. They were only about six point favorites the week before, and they're absolutely smoking these teams right now. Um, So great bounce back games consecutively for the bills. And they were exactly what I expected and needed to see for these Buffalo bills in order to regain confidence going into these coming games here that are going to be some serious tasks. Um, Because after what we saw week one, we really needed to just see their ability to not only get back on track, but bounce back in a major way and keep that momentum going. And that's exactly what they've done. They have now put together consecutive games where the offense is scoring points at an insane clip. The defense is, absolutely dominating. They are shutting down their opponents to the point where you're starting to feel bad for the opposition at times during this game. I I literally looked at my dad yesterday and I said, I hope they just take this Sam Howell kid out. I I, I felt bad for him on a human level. I felt bad for Sam Howell yesterday. That was that dude's fourth start in the NFL fourth start in the NFL. And he gets sacked damn near 10 times four picks hit on what felt like every single snap. I felt freaking bad for the dude. And that was because this bill's defense was just dominating, destroying. So uh, incredible bounce back for these bills in consecutive weeks after one of their worst performances ever against the jets. And now, All the chips are on the table. This is the game, folks. This game is so big. It is so massive, and you're going to be hearing about it all week, and rightfully so. Let's be fair. Let's be fair. Let's be honest. Oh, Jalen Hurts picked off. Finally, a good couple of Monday night games on the year here. These games have sucked. Sucked. Primetime game is... Oh, God, poor Caroline's over here. She, Caroline's up with the, at the in-laws now, visiting. And she's over here sleeping while I'm yelling about the bill. How are you sleeping this entire time? I just screamed, and she just goes, Oh, my God! You can't be sleeping in the basement studios, Caroline, if you don't want to be getting woke, uh, woken up. Anyway, guys, I can't, uh, I can't emphasize it enough. This game, this coming week is so damn big it is so huge i don't know how you guys feel let me know in the comments because i'm interested especially knowing that the sunday night football game this coming week oh my god and you want to talk about another fan base i'm starting to feel bad for and i can't believe i'm saying this but it's genuinely how i felt it's genuinely how i felt In the stadium, even though we lost that damn game, it's genuinely how I felt in the stadium when I was there. I felt bad for Jets fans on a human level. You know, it when it comes to me, screw them, like, big time. But I – there's something in me. I'm like, I – oh, my God. Like, I put myself in their shoes, and I just felt so bad. Here's where I'm at with the Jets. Just because the reason I'm saying this is because – The Dolphins and the Bills should be the primetime game this coming week. I mean, that is the game of the weekend by a wide margin. But it can't be flexed because the flex uh, ability does not start until the week after, unfortunate for anybody who's an NFL fan. The reason I feel bad for the New York Jets is not because of how bad they are or how bad they're going to be throughout the remainder of the year here. The fact that their playoff hopes are completely dead. Not only that, but of course, their ability to get to a Super Bowl, which is just dead in the water as well. Not, not I mean, that's long gone. The reason I feel bad is because this team continues to trot Zach Wilson out on the field. Um, Zach Wilson sh- should never start again in this league. He is egregiously bad. He is unbearably bad. He is not an NFL quarterback and it is malpractice at this point to continue to allow him to go out there and start for the New York jets. It is malpractice by Robert Sala to put that man in the game as the starting quarterback for the duration of the 60 minutes of football. It's uh It's it's unbearable. It's unbelievable. That's why I feel bad. And for all of us, you should feel bad for all of us collectively this coming week on a Sunday night where we have to watch them against the Chiefs. And not only that, but you're going to have to watch Taylor Swift up in the box going nuts. That whole thing in itself. I cannot believe that is real. And you got my fiance over here now telling me she wants to get Chiefs gear and I'm trying to find a way to kick her out of the house. I can't take this anymore. All she's talking about. She's she's rattling off facts to me about Travis Kelsey as if I haven't watched the guy for the last 10 years and hated every single second of it. Yeah, she keeps telling me all these things that I've known forever. And it's like, well, now you pay, now she's paying attention because Taylor Swift's in the damn box. So this coming Sunday, get get I hope you enjoy Zach Wilson getting absolutely mauled by the Chiefs and uh, you know, and, and Taylor Swift up in the booth going absolutely absurd with Travis Kelsey's mom. I mean, this is where we're at folks. And now I got to deal with my girlfriend wanting to buy the jacket that Taylor Swift wore because you it's, say. because that's what she wore. Yeah. Sorry. I keep doing that. My partner, I got to deal with this shit. Now they need to break up yesterday. They need to break up yesterday. I hope they had their fun, but I can't do it anymore. No offense to them, but it's starting to trickle into my household and it's affecting my life. I need it. I need it. I need it. To end. anyway, 1 o'clock is where these Bills will take on the Miami Dolphins. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. It should be the primetime game, but not every game for the Bills can be a primetime game. I mean, it is uh, – what is it? The week after this one is the Bills don't play a regular 1 o'clock game until what, the second week of December? So I'm fine with this game being at 1 o'clock. I'm more than fine with it. I actually do enjoy the one. I enjoy all the time slots. I, I do. But – We have enough primetime games coming up to where I have no problem with this one being in the slot in which it's at. But either way, no matter what time this game is at this coming week, it is the game of the week. And for the Buffalo Bills, this is about as big as it's going to get. Here's what's at stake for these Buffalo Bills you win this game and you're three and one. You're number one in the AFC. You go from losing to the Jets and wondering what's going to happen next to winning this game. And being number one overall in the AFC East, number one overall in the AFC in its entirety. Or you lose this game, you fall to two and two, you fall to 0 and two in the division, and you now have a two game disadvantage to the Miami Dolphins, which is going to be insanely tough to make up. This is a massive game, arguably must win. If you're the Buffalo Bills, and it's not going to be easy. These Dolphins are not the Miami Dolphins that we've become accustomed to watching over the last 10, 15 years. These Miami Dolphins are a problem, man. Yeah, Casey, I mean, there's other teams that would be one, number one or whatever. The Bills would be tied for number one in the AFC, I think. If they win, you know what I'm saying. They're going to be three and one, tied for number one. I think Casey would be number one because their loss is an NFC loss. The Bills' loss is an AFC loss. Whatever. You know the point. It's either they're going to be t- damn near tied for number one in the AFC and they're going to be number one in the AFC East, or they're going to be two games behind in the AFC East and in a real tough spot to get their way out of that. It's going to be real tough. I know it's only four weeks in. But this game could be for the division, guys, and that's how big this game really is. This is a borderline playoff game in week four, and that is insane. I know it, but welcome to the NFL. That's just the reality of the situation. When you drop a game like you do to the Jets week one, this is what games like this become. This is what this game is. So it is huge, and it's not going to be easy. These Dolphins, I I cannot believe what I witnessed yesterday. I can't believe it. A Sean, I mean Sean Payton. How how do you show up to the facility today? If you're Russell Wilson, if you're Sean Payton, if you're anybody on that defense, I don't know who the hell their defensive coordinator is. It's probably a good thing, uh, but if you're anything to do with that Denver Broncos organization yesterday, how? Do you show up to that facility today? That was the most embarrassing shit I have ever seen, maybe in all of sports, like ever. Do you know how insane it is to allow 70 points? 70 points in the NFL, that is, that ought to be illegal. That is insanity, And I didn't, I mean, the Denver Broncos aren't that bad, are they? I mean, they're not good, but are they that bad? Holy hell. I mean, oh my God, it should not be possible to do that. 10 touchdowns. There were two players who had four touchdowns alone by themselves. It was insane. Here's where I think this benefits the Bills to some degree, a little bit, just a little bit. When you blow a wad like the like the Dolphins just did yesterday, you certainly can't blow it again. Uh, that they got to be they got to be on a high that I couldn't even imagine. And shout out to the Dolphins fans uh, because screw them too, like the Jets, no doubt about it. But you know me, gotta be fair, gotta be impartial, have to be able to be real. That had to have been one of the best you have felt in a very long time yesterday. I mean, how, how great could you, I mean, how much better could you possibly feel than watching your offense put up 70 points? Because I remember what it felt like watching the perfect game against the Patriots. And, of course, that game much more significant. It was a playoff game, so that outweighs the Dolphins and what they did yesterday, of course, obviously. But I remember what it felt like to watch that, and that was one of the happiest I've ever been as a sports fan in my life. So watching your team put up 70 yesterday, that must have been absolutely euphoric. I can only imagine what that must have felt like. Uh, And I hope they enjoy it because this week you're not putting up 70 points. This Miami Dolphins offense, which is seemingly finding their peak, is coming up with a clash against the Buffalo Bills defense, who are also seemingly finding their peak. Uh, This is going to be an all-time game. Where I think the Bills benefit is I think that the Bills defense is elite. I think you can make an argument today that they are the best in the league through the first three games of the NFL season. I think that that is a legitimate argument to be had. I also think that right now the Bills offense is playing some of their most collective and complementary football in some time. I think that they are doing efficient work. I think Josh Allen is back on track. Their run game is right where you would want it to be. Um, the receivers getting adequately involved, Stefan Diggs has been phenomenal through the first early duration of this season. The offense is right on par after a real rough performance in week one, where I think the bills benefit here is I think that they have two really stout units. Whereas I think the Miami dolphins have one, I think they have one incredibly elite unit in their offense, and they also have an elite coach in Mike McDaniel right now running up that offense. You can't deny it anymore, folks. I don't care how much you hate this team. You can't deny it. This guy has got this offense humming at a, at a pace we've never seen before. He's on that Kyle Shanahan branch where they never seem to lose. You're watching Kyle Shanahan do what he's doing with the 49ers. They have yet to lose a game in the regular season with uh, – with, uh. Christian McCaffrey on the roster. Uh, they're, they're an extraordinary football team, and they're extraordinarily coached. And Mike McDaniel, I've been a fan of his from the beginning because I love how unique he is. I think he is an awesome, awesome coach. Getting get in this argument all the time with my dad because he can't stand him. But the reason I like him is because he's fun. He's different. And not only that, but, I mean, the creativity on the offensive side of things and the ability to get the most out of his players. He is truly right now one of the best coaches, one of the best young coaches, I'll say, uh, in the NFL. And I don't think there's much of a debate with that. Um, So this offense comes in, the Miami Dolphins, probably the best in the entire NFL right now. I don't know how much you could argue that. Uh, And like I said, I think you really have a legitimate argument for the Bills being the best defense. So that alone is going to be a battle. But I think the Bills have an upper hand here in the fact that I think the Bills' offense is much better than what we get collectively out of the Miami Dolphins' defense. And I think that is where the edge is to be had here. But these Buffalo Bills are going to have to be able these Buffalo Bills are going to have to be able to put up 30-plus this week like they've done the last two weeks. We cannot have the moment get too big. These last two games, under the radar, right? You're playing the Raiders. You're playing the Commanders. They're not too massive games. So because of that, It's easier to perform at your best without the bright lights and the pressure being on. There's some significant pressure in this game, but we've seen Josh Allen have some of his best performances in situations where there is massive pressure. This game is the ultimate test. He is going to have to have his best game of the year, and this Bill's Bill's defense is going to have to continue to show us what they've shown the last three weeks. I have no reason to think that they won't, but it's not going to result in the same outcome. I'll tell you that right now. They're not going to allow three points to the Miami Dolphins, and they're not going to allow one touchdown to the Miami Dolphins, I would imagine, either, like they did to the Las Vegas Raiders. There's going to be some points scored in this game. How is the Bills' defense going to be able to respond to that? And subsequently, how is the Bills' offense going to be able to stand up to the task? Are they going to be able to compete on the scoreboard with what the offense of the Miami Dolphins has been doing early on? They have the capability, that's for sure. But these Miami Dolphins are not a team that you can consider going into anymore and thinking the Bills are going to just find a way to win in some sort of easy fashion. Those days are done. This offense is way too good. And Tua does not have to be Joe Montana in order for this to execute. They have an incredible innate ability to distribute the ball to their guys in the open field, get them wide open, and get yards after the catch. That is – the best way to get a quarterback who might not be the best at getting the ball outside of the numbers or the best at getting the ball down the field. That's the best way of getting him to be as efficient as possible. And they do exactly that. I mean, when you got a guy like Tyreek Hill, it opens up a world of possibilities. And Mike McDaniel has absolutely exploited every one of them. Uh, And you got to remember yesterday, what they did in that 70 point performance was with Jalen Waddle being injured and not in the game. That's, that was an impressive performance. And overall, these Miami Dolphins have been impressive as hell through the first three weeks. I said it yesterday, I said it last week, and I'll say it again. Through the first three weeks of the NFL season, the two best teams in the NFL are the San Francisco 49ers and the Miami Dolphins. But if the Buffalo Bills beat the Miami Dolphins this week, then where is the argument for the Bills not being the best team in the AFC yet again? That's how big this game is. Not only is this game so big for bragging rights like that, but it is genuinely massive for legitimate reasons. The playoff seating, the AFC East picture, the AFC playoff picture as a whole, it is absolutely massive. I know it's tough to wire that into your brain being that it's week four and it feels like the season just started, which it did. But once again, this is the NFL. It's absurd. It's really tough to wrap your mind around sometimes, but every one of these games matter as much as the next and some matter that much more, this one being it, this game is huge. And everyone all week long, and you should not be shocked by it, everyone all week long is going to be picking the Miami Dolphins. They're going to be hyping up the Miami Dolphins. They're going to be having them be victorious in this game everywhere you look. And listen, it's fair. It's deserved. Don't be the people talking about how the Bills are overlooked and underrated, and the Dolphins are overrated. You can't say that when they beat a team by 50 and hang 70. The Dolphins are real. You can't come up with that bullshit anymore. This is a real matchup. It's 100% legitimate what these Dolphins are doing. The Bills and only the Bills have the ability to prove everyone else wrong because right now the Dolphins have proved that they are worthy of all that they're going to get throughout the week, and you'll see it. It's fine. It's fine. It's deserved. It's deserved. But the Bills have an opportunity here to to regain what we all want, and that is the top of the AFC East prominence, the overall prominence of this team and where they stand as far as how everyone views them. And then more importantly, because who really gives a shit about any of that, more importantly, they're top dogs yet again controlling their destiny for the majority of the degree for the remainder of the season. It's such a huge game. It's such a huge game. If there was ever a playoff game in week four of the NFL season, you're looking at it this coming week. And it's in Buffalo. I think that is a advantage. It definitely is. The Bills need every little bit of extra juice that they can get for a game like this. And that, of course, being inside of the Ralph is always that much more of a benefit uh, to the Buffalo Bills. <sighs> I'm nervous as I'm nervous as hell. This game is very nerve wracking to me. I'm extremely nervous. Uh, the difference between three and one and two and two is is astronomical to me. Uh, they're so. There's so much difference between where your season hangs in the balance going into week five with those two different records. Um, This game is absolutely massive. And if you win this game, confidence is reinstilled completely. You've you've now got back-to-back weeks where you've destroyed two teams you're significantly better than. The Buffalo Bills are not significantly better than the Miami Dolphins. They have got to prove that they can do more than beat the shit Out of two inferior opponents in this season. This is the opportunity to do that. Because the rest of the way, guys, the rest of the way, for the majority of this season, you look at the schedule, there's really not a whole lot more commanders and and, and raiders left. There's a whole lot of dolphins left and chiefs left and, you know, top opponents, playoff caliber opponents. Time to get ready to rock right now because it doesn't get better than this it doesn't get bigger than this but i believe in this team i absolutely do i have loved what i've seen the last two weeks my only hope for this team is that they don't diverge from what they've done the last two weeks just become just because this game is much bigger that to me is my only hope i'm praying these bills don't panic or go and steer away from what they've done the last two weeks as far as executing the game plan, sticking to the game plan, and playing efficient ball just because they're playing a better opponent. Then nothing pisses me off more. Stick to what they've done, and they're going to be in this game throughout and have a more than possible chance to win it. Get to a couple super chats here before we close up. Shout tonight. I really appreciate you guys sticking around tonight despite the uh, the audio and the setting. Uh, differentials compared to usual. Really, really do appreciate it. We'll be back to our regular scheduled stuff next week. Jack coming in. He's saying Bills, Finns will make playoffs. One AFC East champ, one first round by other as a wild card. Wild card team could go to Super Bowl. Don't over rotate on week four. Oh, I'm not. I'm not denying what you're saying at all. Um, at all. I think both the Bills and the Dolphins are 100 playoff teams. I could not agree more with that. I think we'll see both of them in the postseason this coming season, regardless of what happens this weekend. But that doesn't mean that this game is still not uh, massive when it comes to the implications of the playoffs themselves. I'd much rather have the first round bye. I'd, I'd much rather be the AFC East champion. And when you lose the game this coming weekend, both of those situations become way less likely. Um, I'm not over-rotating week four. Over Week four is a massive, massive game. You can downplay it all you want. I'm not saying you are, Jack. I'm just saying in general to anybody else. You can downplay this game all you want. You can downplay any game if you wanted to. But when you're talking about stakes for a a regular season game, you'd be hard-pressed to find a game that has more than what this one currently does for the Buffalo Bills. The stakes are massive, and it's self-inflicted. If they did not lose that game to the New York Jets, that they absolutely should have won – this would not have those same type of stakes. It would still be a massive game, but it wouldn't be as big as we're currently seeing. Um, so I do agree with you completely. Both teams are making the playoffs, and I do think that one of them will get the, the first round by. If the Dolphins continue to play like they are and are just rolling teams, I don't know how you could argue that they aren't going to be that team. And if the Bills can come in and show that dominant defense again, somehow shut down this offense, and the Bills offense continues to hum as well, Plenty of argument for the Bills to be in that situation too. I know for me personally, I would much rather be in the comfortable situation of winning the AFC East and therefore having a significant chance to getting the first round by than the the uh, wildcard situation. But either way, as we've mentioned on here before, it's really not going to matter until we get there to begin with. First round by or not, you still got to get there and you still got to prove that, you know, each week in the playoffs uh, that, you know, you're there for a reason, and the hype and whatever's going into your season or whatever is legit. Last last year is a perfect example of the opposite of that, right? Where the regular season's great, so you think. You get to the postseason, it was just a whole lot of bad. We've talked about that on here before. A lot of this stuff just does not matter anymore. What matters the most is getting to the postseason and getting it done there, and I think a game like this is where it does matter significantly when it comes to the regular season, because this significantly benefits you when it comes to where you stand in those said playoffs. So huge game this coming week. And I understand what Jack's saying, regardless of what happens. I don't care what happens. Both these teams, in my opinion, are playoff teams, but it's going to significantly determine where in which they get into the playoffs come January Uh, and then my main man Jason Miller coming in to round us out tonight and he's saying offense didn't feel as fluid this week I agree Uh, Josh still stuck to the triple E's. absolutely agree with that as well the defense though was fire and it started up front Bernard equals electric once again Jason coming in with a banger of a super chat hitting on all cylinders I agree with everything you said here Jason the offense wasn't as fluid but to me that goes back to the point I was making earlier where it just is not going to be that Raiders game every week it can't be because the game against the Raiders That defined fluid. I mean, it could not have been more fluid. Um, So with that, when you see that, and then you see a game like last week where it was a bit more clunky, you have that terrible pass play call on fourth down where they don't get it. You do have the Josh Allen pick where even though it seemed like a punt, it was still a bad decision. Um, You know, you don't get as much uh, involvement from a guy like Gabe Davis or your tight ends. No, it was not as uh, fluid. But to me, it was kind of more towards a median where you still got a real good day out of Josh Allen, in my opinion, both through the air and on the ground. You got a real good day out of James Cook. You got a real good day out of Stephon Diggs. You got a real good day out of this offensive line. And then you got an extraordinary day overall from your defense. And look, if this defense is going to keep playing like they have, the offense, all they have to do is what they've done the last two weeks, and that's just not kill themselves. If the defense is going to keep playing like this, And the Bills offense can continuously find a way to execute the three E's like we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. Very, very hard. Going to be very, very hard to beat these Buffalo Bills. So this coming week, a major, major opportunity for these Buffalo Bills to really get back to that top team prominence. And it's a major opportunity for the Miami Dolphins. To prove to everyone what they've been wanting to prove to some time. And that's that they are the superior team in the AFC East. And maybe the AFC overall. A lot on the line this coming week. And I can't wait for it, guys. This game is huge. Absolutely massive. And I cannot wait to talk about its outcome with you one week from tonight. One week from tonight, I'll be back in the Smoke Break Studio, Stanford, Connecticut. Same time. Same place as far as YouTube is concerned, different location for me. And we're going to be talking. Hopefully about an absolutely incredible game in which the Buffalo bills get it done. All I know is no matter which way that game goes, we're going to have a hell of a smoke break in store for you. So make sure to be there next week, Monday night to recap bills dolphins. In the meantime, really appreciate you tuning in for this one. Despite the differentials here in the broadcast, it was a great, uh, opportunity to still get you in. Talk about a dominant victory and look forward to one of the games of the year next week, Bills-Dolphins. I cannot wait. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy this W, folks, and I will see you one week from tonight to recap that major AFC East battle. Until then, folks, as always, go Bills.